Hello there, I'm Adam Leventhal and welcome to the third of the Athletics Premier League Countdown podcasts. With the return of the 2019 season only days away now, we're releasing 20 shows on this Ornstein and Chapman podcast feed, each one dedicated to a different Premier League team. That is two podcasts a day, every day up until football returns. Now, if you're not already a subscriber, you can sign up right now and take advantage of our 30-day free trial by going to theathletic.com forward slash Ornstein and Chapman to enjoy the best football writing anywhere just as the season makes its return. Now, in this episode, we are discussing Bournemouth, 18th in the Premier League, in the relegation zone on goal difference, below both Watford and West Ham, also on 27 points from 29 games. It is very, very tight indeed. Uh, let's welcome the Athletics' dedicated Cherries correspondent, Peter Rutzler. How are you, Peter? Are you looking forward tentatively to the uh, restart of the season? Yes, I am. I mean, it, it feels quite seismic, doesn't it, the, the return when you're at this end of the table? But yes, very, very keen to get going again. Just set the scene for us then. Prior to lockdown and obviously this big pause in the season, this hiatus, how have Bournemouth found themselves in in such a, a perilous position, do you think, leading up to that point when we all stopped? I don't think anyone expected at the outset of the season that Bournemouth would be in this position. I wouldn't say that's something that the team, the, not the team, but the staff, Eddie Howe himself would say because they've always felt that while they have survived in the Premier League the last few years they've they've done it early but they were still involved this year it's, it's been a different kettle of fish and, and they do find themselves very much involved very much in the dogfight and you know with with a mountain to climb really um when you consider the fixtures and, and what's to come but I guess the how that's sort of transpired because on, on paper you look at the squad and you think well, that's actually a very very impressive squad I think for the first time they had depth in all areas you know uh, in attacking areas they had backups to the likes of Fraser and Wilson and King. Impressive backups as well in, in David Brooks, Arnat Danjuma and, and Dominic Solanke uh, when he's come in. And then even throughout the team, midfield, you know, Lewis Cook, Jefferson Lerma, Philip Billings bolstered that too. And defence, which has always been an issue, but they've sort of reinforced him with Jack Stacey arriving and Lloyd Kelly as well, who we haven't seen through injury. And, and that's the, the key point, really. Injuries have really, really played a key role for Bournemouth this year. I think throughout their Premier League stay, they've, they've had issues with, with injury, but not quite to the extent of this season. I, I think every single player in the team who has made an appearance has missed a game through injury this season at some point, which gives you a, an idea of just how extensive it has been. And the critical period was December, January, playing teams around them now, uh, where they didn't pick up results, but their, their squad was, was struggling with fitness and, and injuries. And that's affected confidence and it becomes like a vicious spiral. So the upside, of course, is before the, the break, they seem to have found some momentum. So whether they can find that again will be very, very important as we restart. And just in, in general terms, you know, all dedicated reporters for The Athletic have been having to sort of deal with uh, their own football clubs remotely and there hasn't been any you know, face-to-face -face contact with them. Just in general, your sort of perception of, of how Bournemouth have, have felt 
during this lockdown? Has, has it felt like it's been an opportunity to to regroup and, and get ready to restart? Or was there almost a, a feeling of, well, let's hope that the season doesn't restart? I mean, the noises that were coming out of the club just in, in general terms. I think during this period, actually, Bournemouth were very quiet. I mean, there was a lot of noise about the bottom six clubs. Um, of course, trying to, to, you know, not trying to avoid the season, but talking about that, that the problems. And of course, they had their own concerns about that, I'm sure. Um, Eddie Howe himself said that in an interview last week about how the team are, you know, they, you, you naturally are worried. And he would feel a sense of responsibility if a member of staff fell ill or a player fell ill. So there are those concerns, of course. But I think there's 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 two sides to it, really. Of, of course, it, it's, you know, for them, they have they want to stay in the Premier League. I think that's that's obvious. But you know, that's the financial side of it too, where the prospect of a major rebate to the broadcasters is not something that would be very appealing to Bournemouth. A considerable amount of their their turnover, their income comes from television money. Uh, and a lot of that then goes out on player wages. So they are working on, on fine margins. Um, so that sense, you know, there is a desire to write, let's get these games going. And the other side is that they look at their squad and, you know, the fact that we've had this pause, this, this long, more than 10 weeks between matches, it's allowed them to recover some players who have been out for a considerable amount of time. We mentioned Brooks before, Dan Juma. Um, Steve Cook had picked up a hamstring injury against Liverpool in the final game. So those are big, big players that are coming back in. And, and Bournemouth haven't had the, the full strength of their squad for, for the entirety of the campaign. So this is a first, really. It's, it's almost like a new team. So that's, that's definitely a boost. But in terms of the actual noises the club is making, they've been silent. They've not said anything to the press on the record, off the record. It's been a case of, right, we'll get our heads down and we'll deal with whatever comes to pass. Just a, a further question on David Brooks. You, you know, you, you mentioned him previously and just, just there. I mean, how important is he to to making this, this Bournemouth side tick? And, it, and is it nailed on that he will be uh, back and be able to hit the ground running as soon as uh, the restart occurs? Or is it, is it going to take a bit of time? I think the the good news, I think, for Bournemouth fans when they're looking at the images coming out of the, of training ground, is that he is there. You know, he's actually there. He is training. Mm. Um, he is back there. So as long as he's wrapped up in cotton wool and protected, he'll be he'll be fine for for the resumption of the of the season. Um, it'll be a difficult one. He hasn't played a game. Um, he had an ankle injury and then had a setback again, um, which has kept him out pretty much the whole way through. And he just returned to to full team training before the break. So just as the season was paused. So. Having him back is a major boost. I think absence makes the heart grow fonder in one sense, which is always the case with a player. But David Brooks in particular is such an important player for Bournemouth and the way they play. You know, Harry Wilson's come in and done a good job. He's sort of filled the void of the goals that Brooks scored. They've actually scored the same amount of goals. If you look at Brooks for his seven last year, Wilson scored uh, seven this year. Uh, but it's his defensive work. It's his work going the other way. And he's a very good player in transition. And Bournemouth do like to play on the break. They do like to catch teams cold. And he's very, very good at that. He's good at investigating space. He's a, he's a creative player. He's a player who can make the difference. And for a team that have struggled in an attacking sense, unusually for Bournemouth this year, uh, that's been more keenly felt than ever. Now, obviously, you know, David Brooks is someone that you would want to build your side around for the future. I wanted to ask you about Ryan Fraser, because, you know, when people outside of uh, Bournemouth 
think about that side and, and what makes them tick. Maybe not this season, but in previous seasons, especially his connection with, with Callum Wilson, people will, will think of Ryan Fraser. Um, but it just seems now that it's almost the uh, the long goodbye for him and his his form and his future have been sort of under the under the spotlight for quite some time he could have left last summer couldn't he uh, I mean, what what's your understanding about his situation and i mean uh, are we expecting him to to be part of plans when the season restarts or is it almost like well if i'm going to be leaving I'm, i don't want to be part of it it's certainly a, that long goodbye. I think it's it's almost a, been an uncomfortable one for, for Fraser. I think in an ideal scenario, he would have wanted that move last summer, but there were no bids for him last summer. Um, this year has been very bumpy, as you outlined. He, he changed his agent behind the scenes. Um, he admitted in an interview in January that he hadn't been playing for the team and that you know, he has a tendency to be very honest, very frank, uh, very unguarded sometimes. And, and that filtered through to the supporters who may not have taken it the right way with the team struggling the way they are. But when it comes to having him now, he's, he's, he is such an important part of the team. And, and while he hasn't reached the same level as last year, where, you know, he, only Eden Hazard made more assists than he did in, in the Premier League and in, in the top five leagues in Europe, actually. So that kind of gives you a scope of how important he was. And while he's still been a very important influence... He hasn't reached that level, but but that said, he's still their most creative player this year. And having him available will be, you know, a player of his ability. Bournemouth fans, Bournemouth Eddie Howe will know how, how good he is. And Howe himself mentioned in January that it's so important that the supporters and the club get behind him. And if it is to be his last few months at the club, that they're made to be memorable. And for Fraser, it's a difficult one because he's a free agent who is still looking for that next move. Um, it's not decided yet. We we understand there's there's interest from several clubs, including Crystal Palace, including Watford. Whether he gets the top six interest, that's not so clear. He's not thought to be a priority for Arsenal, Tottenham potentially, but you know there, there's no real sense that that's happening at the moment. So it's all quite undecided for him. And when you're looking at potentially extending your contract and and then the risks that come with that, you know the potential for an injury that could compromise a deal that would be signed or hasn't been signed yet or has been signed and the prospective club may not be so keen. There are lots of different balancing acts and whether he does or does not is not is not clear at the moment. But I think for Bournemouth, considering how important a player he still is, despite not being at the level he was last year, it's key that he does. They would definitely want him to be involved for sure in their survival push. Yeah, and it is well worth checking out the article that you've done with uh, David Ornstein, which takes in all the permutations that you've mentioned about his his future. But but has this delay, you know, affected the morale in the team? Is it is it one of the the contributing factors to to this sort of decline this season that you've potentially? And I don't know what he's like as a person. You'll know better than I. He's potentially, uh, you know, an, an unhappy player in that in that works. I think in those first four months of the season, um, it was quite noticeable, his decline in form. And, you know, we understand that there was an incident where a teammate confronted him about his perceived lack of effort. And while that's not caused, you know, a plummet in morale or was not nothing like a, a dressing room rupture of, of sorts, you know, that kind of reflects how he's not quite been at the level that I think most expect him to reach. And Fraser is a very quiet person. He's an, he's an introvert. He likes to keep himself to himself. He's not the kind of person who would kick up a stink or he's not the kind of person who, you know, would, would, would speak untowardly or, or anything like that. As I mentioned before about his, his interview, he wants to, he's very honest and, and that can work two ways, if you see what I mean. You know, it can, you know, it's very welcoming, but also it can 
it can also work against uh, him from a supporter's point of view. So I think, yeah, I mean, for, for, for Fraser this year, it's it's must be pointed out that once he got to January and once those, he's made those comments and uh, his form did improve. And I mean, as we come towards March time before the pause, we saw something very similar to the Fraser of old, this hardworking, dogged, creative player. And, you know, he's still important to Bournemouth. And, and I think that's, that'll be key to, you know, to their desire to keep hold of him for as long as they can. Let's talk about the, the manager, Eddie Howe. I mean, has his position genuinely been questioned this this season? Has there ever been a, a feeling that he was on the on the brink? The question was was probably more relevant around January time where Bournemouth were playing sides in and around of the bottom six and were not scoring goals, let alone, you know, getting results. And the, we think to the Brighton game just after Christmas on the 28th where they lost 2-0. Um, they then got beat 4-0 at West Ham. And, and then there was the, the home defeat against against Watford and the away defeat against Norwich 1-0, which, which saw Steve Cook handle the ball. And at this point, it was very much a pressure cooker. Um, you know, it felt like this is a point where Bournemouth have to pick up results. And Brighton then came to the Vitality Stadium on a Tuesday night in January. And that was, that was a sense of Bournemouth need a result. Now, I wouldn't say that Eddie Howe would be on the brink because I don't think he would ever be on the brink. I don't think he could ever be sacked by Bournemouth for what he's done for the club. You know, he's taken the club from near oblivion to Premier League riches. It's it's an unthinkable achievement and one that, you know, has earned him a job for life, really. I mean, it's it's just, it's not something that would, would come to pass. But I think from his perspective, you know, it, it, it raised the question and the question was asked because it's a case of, well, does there need to be change here? Is it, is it me? And he's very critical. He's the kind, well, not critical. He's very much the kind of person who never gets too high and never gets too low. That's sort of his mantra. Um, but he's also quite a rational person and he would have looked at those results and think, how can I affect this? How can I change it? And they did beat Brighton and they did beat Aston Villa. So in that sense, you know, it's if there was ever that kind of question to be asked, it's, it'll be for him to decide rather than someone above him, you would think. Um, and even if the club did go down, you know, for the, Eddie Howe's taken them through three promotions. Um, if you want someone to to guide you back into the top flight, he'd probably be the best person to do it. And but in terms of whether the question was asked, it's felt tighter this year. But I think, as he mentioned earlier in the year, you know, they've always felt that they were in a relegation fight. It's just never really been seen from the outside. So in that sense, those questions are being asked sort of for the first time when they could, you know, when they're, they're not totally up kilter. One other player that I wanted to ask you about was was Jordan Ibe, who's, who's certain to be leaving um, when the season finishes. Why was a contract extension never really an option, it seems? It's been a difficult year for Jordan Ibe. Um, you know, when he first joined Bournemouth, he was a player seen with so much potential. I mean, even back at, at Liverpool, when they sold Raheem Sterling, he was seen as the player who could fill that void, be more than capable of doing that. And his ability hasn't gone anywhere. You, you don't lose that, but it's he's never quite pushed on here at Bournemouth. And off the field, things haven't been right for him. This year, it's it's been difficult. Last summer, he crashed his car into a coffee shop in Bromley and that led to a court case. Um, and then again, it's just these little things not being potentially advised in the right way and it's just not come together for him. And it, he hasn't been involved with the first team since January, we understand. He 
that was uh, he started training with the under 21s and playing for them. So for him, it, he does need a fresh start. And I think for everyone concerned, there's sort of this mutual understanding that that, that is the best way forward. And I think most people who've worked with him, most people who've, who've trained with him and, and, and you know talk about him as being a fantastic player with so much ability, he just has to get everything in the right order and really kick on. And, and the best way to do that would be with a new start. Yeah, we'll see what happens with him uh, when the season concludes. Obviously, when the season concludes, we will know who's going uh, down. In your honest opinion, and I don't know if you're an optimist or a pessimist, <laughs> you strike me as an optimist, actually, Peter. Do you feel that, that Bournemouth have enough in the locker? And with that slight upturn in, in form before the, before the lockdown, do you think they've got enough with their, their fixtures remaining to, to get out of the mess that they're in? The question is, is it blind optimism? Uh, I, <laughs> I do genuinely think they have enough to stay up and, and obviously it'd be easy to say that. But when you look at the squad that you know, they have now available to them, it's almost a different team, as I said before. And you know, with, with the likes of David Brooks and Arnott Danjuma, with Joshua King, with Callum Wilson, Nathan Ake, all these players fit and ready to go. You look at the team and think that is a very impressive team. And if they're going to give it a fight, they'll be at full strength to do that, which helps. Um, the fixtures are the only thing that, that counts against them. I mean, compared to the rest of the bottom six, they've, they've certainly got an uphill task. They don't play any of the sides around them. They have to travel to Manchester City, to Wolves, to Manchester United. They've got Tottenham at home as well. So these are big games that will, that are on the horizon. And it'll be essential that they pick up points against the sides that aren't you know, flying high, the sides with less to play for. The Crystal Palaces they've got, that'll be their first game potentially. Newcastle. Uh, Southampton on the second to last day of the season potentially that would be one hell of a game so those are the games that they need to pick up results and I'm sure they'll be disappointed not to have home advantage with the home fans behind them but they'll have to use everything they can and on paper the squad they have is good enough and I think the form that they've taken through from before if they can find that quickly and find their feet and keep everyone fit then without a doubt, they've got a the shout of staying up. The other factor, of course, is that Bournemouth's best results this season tend to come against better sides. You know, they're more naturally set up to play that way. Um, they've struggled against the teams in and around them. And they've, they've beaten Chelsea away. They beat Manchester United at home. They've taken points off Arsenal. They played very well at Anfield before the break. And so that will give supporters confidence that even though the fixtures are tough, you know, that this is a team that are set up to play in transition, can work very well on the break and that may suit them with some bigger games to come. Peter, as always, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, I wish you well towards the end of this season. Not too well, of course, <laughs> because I uh, I am conscious that Watford are just outside the relegation zone. I wish you a sort of a, a, um, a qualified go well. Um, if you're uh, not already subscribing, remember, to The Athletic, make sure that you go to theathletic.com forward slash Ornstein and Chapman to enjoy all of Peter's articles on Bournemouth and beyond as well. Uh, you can currently take advantage of a 30-day free trial if you want to uh, try it out before committing to a full subscription. And with that, you'll be able to enjoy all the best football writing as the Premier League returns. Now, keep an eye on this podcast feed, remember, and The Athletic app to hear all 20 of our Premier League countdown podcasts, each one dedicated to a different team. Thank you very much for listening. Catch you soon.